Are you between a rock and a hard place? Are you not sure if you're a sinner or a saint? Do you think you've lost your salvation? Let me take you to the New King James Version. In the book of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 12 through 14, and Jesus says, What do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray? Does he not leave the ninety-nine and go to the mountains to seek the one that is strained? And if he should find it, assuredly, I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the 99 that did not go astray. Welcome to Save the Lost at All Costs. Posted by Save the Lost at All Costs, Inc. Featuring your sister in Christ and humble servant of the Lord, Nina S. Griffin. Good afternoon. You're listening to Sister Nina S. Griffin, and we are on Save the Lost at All Costs. We're going to open up the phone lines right away. If you're local, you'd like to join in on our discussion, you have a praise report, a prayer request, a general comment, we'd love to hear from you. That number would be 702-650-5588. Again, 702-650-5588. If you're calling outside the Las Vegas area, we do have a toll-free number for you to join us. It's 800-366-8883. Again, 800-366-8883. We are being streamed live over KKVV's website, and that web address is www.kkvv.com. Everyone say hello, wave, and God bless you. We're also being streamed live from Save the Lost at All Costs' website, and our web address is www dot save the lost lv dot org. If you have missed part one of what we're doing today, the expert witness with author Jesse Prince, please click on to last week's show. You definitely want to listen to it. The gospel is always free on our watch, and please select anything that you like to listen to. Again, that is www dot save the lost lv.org. We have a lot of resources, local, prayer resources, biblical resources, educational, recovery, wellness, health. We have it. Please check it out. If you have a uh, Apple device, then we are being archived at iTunes too. Again, we are archive free. The gospel is watched. Excuse me. The gospel is free on our watch. If you have a cell phone, and most of us do, we really encourage you to check out KKVV, which is 1060 AM or 100.1 FM via your cell phone. It only works in the United States. Imagine that. You can call and listen to us right now or listen to KKVV anytime you like. I'm going to give you that number twice. 605-313-0630. Again, 605-313-0630. We're going to go around the room. I'm Sister Nina in the middle. I have a wonderful gentleman to my left, to my right, and two gentlemen to my left and one to my right. So we're going to start with the one on the right. You want to say hello? Hello. How you doing? My name is Melvin Irvy. All right. Hi, I'm Jesse Prince, uh, author of The Expert Witness. And I'm Steve Hesch, and uh, I'm the show host for The Spirit of Truth. All right. And Steve, you come on Sunday, right? That I do, 5 o'clock. All right. So we have it. So we are going to get into part two of The Expert Witness. Jesse, how you doing today? I'm doing fine. Thank you for having me again, Sister Nina. Uh, I'm doing some marketing for my book, The Expert Witness. I've been involved in exposing the deception of Scientology since the summer of 1999 when I began testifying as an expert in courtrooms for civil cases across America, from Florida 
to California and many places in between. I walked out the door of Scientology's secret management base in Gilman Hot Springs, California, as a non-member on Halloween Day of 1992 after being there for 16 years. My time inside ended October of 1992. My time completely outside and away from any involvement with Scientology continues to this very day. Scientology as an activity has always been captivating for people of ideals and imagination, while others are perplexed by Scientology's lack of accreditation. So many people who have left Scientology didn't leave with much. People not only lost money, but they lost their fortune, their wives, husbands, children, extended family, as well as businesses and career employment. Most spend so much time and money and never have an opportunity to study the sacred, secret writings of Elrond. None of that applies to me. Why? Because I'm different. I'm doing my first public radio, well, I did my first public radio show with Sister Nina. And my whole thing is, is I, I just want to warn people of my cautionary tale of walking down that road of a cult to just express and show what could be down that road for you. My story is anyone's story. If you're looking uh, down different different avenues in search for truth, that's what I'll say about that. Okay, so I want to give a bit of scripture and give uh, some context to the scripture, and then I want to get into our discussion today. All okay. right. So the scripture I have for us today is Philippians. We're looking in the fourth chapter and the eighth verse. I'm in the New King James Version. And the word of God says this. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Verse 9, these things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, let's give uh, some context on that. What we put into our minds determines what comes out in our words and action. The Apostle Paul tells us to program our minds with thoughts that are true, noble, right, just, pure, lovely, of good report, virtuous, and praiseworthy. Do you have problems with impure thoughts and daydreams? Examine what you are putting into your mind through television, internet, books, conversations, movies, and magazines. Replace harmful input with wholesome material. Above all, read God's word and pray. Ask God to help you focus your mind on what is good and pure. It takes practice, but it can be done. Now, a lot of times with Scientology, you'll hear the word mind control. Or you'll hear brainwashing. So the thing is, is that a lot of us uh, are not familiar. We hear those words, but we don't know what that looks like. And God bless Jesse. Jesse has shown us what that looks like. And it's at great cost. You know, Jesse nearly lost his life. And we really want people to... Take advantage of the fact that he's making himself available. 
and there's still forces and things out there that are not happy or pleased about what he's doing. But he's taking a stance. And he's standing on what's true and what's righteous. And that's the beautiful thing about it, is that he stepped into the marvelous light, but he always was light. And see, light can go into darkness, but darkness cannot duplicate what it already is. Because there's nothing redeeming about it. So Jesse, I, I, I just believe, uh, in my heart and based on, you know, what you and I have talked about and in your book, that it was strategic. And, uh, God is always in control. And it may not look like it from where we sit, but his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And he can use anyone and anything, uh, for his will. And to the advancement of the kingdom of God. But Jesse has to reach certain type of people. Brother Steve. And our listening audience here. You know. And Brother Irvin. He he has to reach certain type of people. You know what I mean? So some people that are in very high places. They have to pay attention. Because Jesse knows who they are. In their spirit and how they operate. So I thank God for him. I really do. Well, I mean, this comes straight out of Ephesians 6.12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities, against the rulers of the darkness and wickedness in high places. And uh, Scientology appeals to a certain group of people, a type of person, uh, that you can find in, in many places, especially today. When you take God out of the equation, what you do is you create a vacuum that people need need some way to fill. And uh, we saw this in Jim Jones in his uh, in Guyana when uh, he had all of his people literally commit suicide all at once drinking the poison Kool-Aid. It, it's the same kind of a mindset. When you take somebody who has a gap in their life, they need to fill that gap. And I, I noticed that, it, that uh, Jesse, in your book, a lot of the people who were the top management there who were the most successful – um, actually uh, came from uh, less educated and less uh, formally trained uh, uh, sources. Is that true? Uh, certainly true of the great majority of the more dedicated members of the uh, movement, for sure, are undereducated. Um, and, and by that, just to be specific... These are second-generation Scientologists. These are uh, people that were brought in by their parents when they were children. And at a, at a certain point, not long into the experience as a child, let's say as, as a child of 12 years old, by the time that child is 13, he will have been asked to make uh, a commitment to the highest levels of Scientology organization, which is a, a thing called the C organization, which is the elite core of, of of the people of Scientology. They'll be given an opportunity to become a part of that. And to in order to become a part of that, you must sign over your life or, or commit your life for one billion years in servitude to L. Ron Hubbard and the aims and goals of Scientology. Well, to regular people, and believe me, everyone's regular, that absolutely makes no sense. There's no way, it's inconceivable 
for a lot of people that they would have a billion years to live, let alone in servitude to something else. That's very similar to the concept of selling your soul um, to, to sign over that contract. So at a very early age, children are asked to do a very mature thing, make a very mature decision. Who, who are you going to serve? And uh, but it, but it's done in a deceptive way. They they don't really understand. I know I certainly didn't by signing that contract that, that people were deadly serious about that, and it had consequences. And when we say sea, we're saying like the word sea, like actually on the ocean, right? Right, right. So it's C-S-E-A dot org, right? Sea organization. Okay, sea organization. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, is that there really was a fleet that L. Ron Hubbard had in existence that uh, was on the sea. And I understand that his family uh, was living there. I believe it was his third wife. Would I be correct and say Mary Sue? Correct. And they had four children. Yes. And I believe uh, one of the sons, it would be Quentin, that he actually committed suicide at the age of 22. That's correct. So can you give us a little backdrop of uh, how this operated on the ocean and why it had to move to the ocean? I still want people to buy Jesse's book. So, Jesse, let's break in and say how they can get the book, and then if you could uh, give us a little background, that'd be great. So, I bought my book on Amazon.com. So, Jesse, is there another way that we can buy the book, too? The book is still available on Amazon.com, and for right now, that's where it is available. I'm trying to make it available in other uh, places, but for right now, it's primarily available through Amazon.com. But also, you uh, said last week uh, they could get a signed copy. Is that still available to get that signed copy? Well, I'm not, I'm not doing, running that promotion or doing that. Okay. Well, that I was last not, week. That's All right. right. That was last week. That was last <laughs> week. Okay. So Amazon.com is how they can uh, get a hold of it, right? That's right. Okay. So we were asking a question about the C organization. Yes, you were asking me about the history of this organization, uh, about the fact that the organization was at a point in time on the water. And the reason why it was on the water is because um, the country of the United Kingdom banned Scientology and L. Ron Hubbard, the founder of Scientology, from practicing Scientology in England. They had run into some legal problems with England and other countries, so, you know. I believe it was France and South Africa, too. Yeah, so they would just run out, so they went on the water and um, stayed on the water for some time. I I believe the 1968 and then in 19, I think it was 74, maybe, they came off the water and landed in Clearwater, Florida, and began to create organizations on land. And so the land base in Florida is called the Flag Land Base, which is the uh, the pinnacle the uh, of the Mecca, as it were, of Scientology. It's located in Clearwater, Florida, and that's when they came on land again and spread throughout the United States. Now, I just want to say something about that period. I was not there until 1976. Okay. So I do not speak about things that I don't personally know about or haven't personally experienced. 
I know the history of it, and, and that's about as far as I can go with that. I can speak about the time when I was there, mm-hmm. and I think that's fair. And uh, anything else will kind of be conjecture on my part. I understand, and that's appreciated. Now, uh, while you were there, were there any uh, legal issues? I know that you've testified uh, in court cases, but are there anything like tax issues that you were aware of while you were there? Yes. Uh, any power struggles? Well, that that is thoroughly covered in my book for sure. Okay. Power struggles. Um, th- my, my book actually is a tale of building that organization really in a lot of ways to what it is today. Taking it, uh, uh, a big building in Los Angeles, they uh, refer to it as Big Blue, but it has all of Scientology's organizations laid out on one property. And they call that the bridge because you start at the, in the very beginning organization, where you learn about Scientology and as you go through its higher levels and finally end up at an organization right across the street called the Advanced Organization where you get the top of what Scientology has to offer as far as secret levels is concerned. That structure, I was involved with renovating and helping to create those organizations from the ground up that exist to this day. Okay, we do. Okay. We did have a caller. Hopefully, they'll call back. So, um, um, hello. This is the board operator. I'm speaking in for a second. That caller, they were just asking for the name of the book. Okay, expert witness. The expert witness, right? Jesse right. Prince, the expert witness. All right, I appreciate My life that. at the top of Scientology. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you, caller, for calling in. I appreciate that. They are listening, right? Yeah, listening. <laughs> yes. It's... So we appreciate that. Yes, Steve. Yeah, and I want to point out to the listeners that. Uh, uh, Jesse Prince's book is, is especially relevant here because he was at the very top of the organization. Uh, he was one of the movers and shakers and uh, and uh, heavily involved at the, at the very pinnacle of leadership there. So, I mean, he really does know the inside story from the top down. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, and, um, and I tell that story in the book. And, it, you know, the story is really about a, a journey of faith. Um, again, from last week's show, I started my journey looking for Christ, looking for God, or, or trying to find my spiritual self or whatever. As a Catholic, I was introduced to that by my parents and uh, became disillusioned with that for various and sundry reasons and wanted to find an alternative to religion which uh, Scientology claimed to be. At that time, when I got into Scientology, they said they were an organization. They didn't claim to be a church. They became a church uh, for uh, religious purposes, for tax purposes. And um, so so that's kind of how that, that happened. But it still was a journey to find God. And uh, I have to say, I certainly found God in that journey. I think you met a couple of demons along the way, too. Yeah, there were a few barking dogs. but <laughs> <laughs> well, now, From reading your book, I've got the impression that, that Scientology uses a couple of the, the, the techniques and tricks that are actually quite common among cults, and, and for that matter, even among pimps, and that it involves a cycle of reward and punishment and isolation. Correct. 
you are so very, very correct in, uh, uh, and sleep deprivation. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first got in, uh, and told them I didn't want to be there anymore, and they reminded me that I had signed that billion year contract, I was literally locked away in a room for about a month where I could not leave. And, um, I had very little to no contact with anyone. I, they, I wasn't allowed to talk to or interact with the other people that were in a similar situation as me because I hadn't fully converted. And just through the sensory deprivation over time, I was basically given an ultimatum. Either you learn this doctrine of L. Ron Hubbard, you learn this doctrine of Scientology, you learn it uh, completely, and if you learn it and let and you apply it to someone and let someone apply it to you, if you still don't want it at that point, you can leave. So that was the crack in the door that they gave me uh, after I, you know, like, ooh, my, my initial reaction to it when I saw how how they were treating people, uh, you know, with just the decadence of it all, uh, keeping people out that they get off the street up for days at a time working for 24 hours a week uh 18 hours a day you know you know just madness and i i wanted to leave at that point and they wouldn't let me i was restrained i was in a barbed wire fence locked in whatever so i said okay if my crack in the door is to learn this doctrine of elrond then i'm gonna learn it as best i can and get myself out of here and that's what I did. I learned it so well. And, you know, the, I, I, you know, people, you know, oh, there's no such thing as the devil, blah, blah, blah. Yes, it is. This was very much satanic. Along the way, there's little gifts, little things that entice you along the way of like, hey, I can talk to people better now. or And I can um, actually communicate a lot better. And I don't seem to have as many problems as I had before. I'm not concerned about my family anymore because I've renounced them. You know, I, I, I'm, problems are dropping away from me. I'm, I'm doing so good. You know, you kind of get into this hysterical state of mind to where you, and all along you're being convinced that this is how you become God. Because Scientology is about uh, individuals becoming uh, God themselves, a journey of that. So it's a very narcissistic um, and blasphemous <laughs> well, journey, but that's kind of the high you get on, and it, it kind of feeds itself, and, and the group dynamic feeds it. So, uh, But in the end, it's, it's like, no. It, it, it wasn't for me because, as I said, I've been a lover of God all of my life. And, and uh, at the end, when I finally found out that, hey, this guy is Satan, he, he says it. You know, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, you better believe it's a duck. And this guy, you know, I'm Satan. I'm the bringer of light. I gave you this knowledge. Look how much better you are now, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no. If I would have known that this was of Satan, I would never have been doing it, period. I would have rather be dead. But they were what they're trying to sell is that you can get to this place of godlike powers. Exactly. And that's a real draw for people who feel helpless uh, in their lives. 
Correct. You have a you have a group. You know you you're being empowered by other people. You you finally belong to something. You seem to think that you're advancing. You seem to feel you have worth now because you're servicing so hard and helping other people, giving so much of yourself that uh, you you have a false sense of, of of value of self and and all of this. And for people that are vulnerable, people that have nothing, people that just experience a loss, may have lost a brother, a sister, a parent, a job, um, you know, on their last straw of losing. Anyone that's vulnerable for any reason, Scientology will bring you in and make you feel better. And they're not the only people on the street doing that. And yet when you get into the the Sea Org level where you were, um, I I got this picture of of there's a constant undercurrent of fear it is uh, that is used to control and intimidation. you. Yeah, fear exactly. Intimidation. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, fear and intimidation um, all the time. Perfection. Uh, part of Scientology is the concept of the search, uh, uh, trying to achieve perfection on many levels in every way. Uh, well, I I learned through trial and error for sure that trying to achieve perfection. It can be a fool's errand and a way to be manipulated. For someone to tell you, oh, you're not quite perfect, you, you know, you got to straighten up a little more here, a little more there, you know, that's manipulation. You know, you don't, we don't need any of that. But Scientology, you know, it's like the, the carrot on the stick and the jackass is trying to get the carrot. He keeps pulling it, the wagon, never getting that carrot. But it's there, dangling in his face. The carrot was never was available. It was just thought to believe that it was available. Exactly. So we have a caller at this time. Caller, you're on Save the Lost at All Costs, and God bless you. God bless you, woman of God. Well, thank you. It's good to hear and your voice, woman of God. Yours, too, and bless the panel. Um, I just wanted to thank Brother Jesse for standing in the gap for me, because at one point in my life, you know, when I was younger, I had a Ron L. Hubbard book. It was almost like pop culture, right? But thank God that I didn't really read it. It was just like in a drawer. But Brother Jesse, it's because of you. Because I could have easily, easily, I live in there, I lived in LA, I don't know. But, you know, just the visual of that building, it looks like Russia to me. But anyway, just the visual of that building going back and forth, up and down. All the time I used Wilshire and 3rd Street. And, um, but I, I, I still had that curiosity. I had that book. You know, I was searching as well, obviously. But I thank God that you stepped in. You took that hit for me brother jesse thank you well i appreciate that and and again you know my story is not so much my story because it could have been anyone's story this could have been anyone and that's why i wrote the book because it could have been anyone i just lay it out of how they do what they do so that you know and and my thing is this we all have an obligation walking down the road of life if we stumble and, and we fall into a hole and and somehow we're able to pull ourselves out of that hole, the very least we can do is post a sign of caution that the hole is here so that Ooh, other travelers on that road amen. don't amen. fall into that Ooh, hole. Amen. And that's all I'm doing here, and that's all I'm trying to achieve here. Amen. 
Well, I appreciate that. Well, we thank you for calling in, woman of God, and I hope you continue to listen. I will. I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. Thank All you, right. Brother Jesse. Hold, on, hold on a minute, sis. Hold on a sis. Brother Steve. Yeah, Jesse, what a, one thing I got out of the book that you haven't mentioned yet is that yours is not just a cautionary tale, not just a bump sign on the roadway, but it's also a tale of the triumph of the human spirit in the end, of persever- perseverance, mm-hmm. of, of values, of the ability to overcome something that through sheer power of spirit mm. would overwhelm so many people. And so I think that your book is a testimony that that spirit can overcome some incredible obstacles because you did. Uh, you know, and I think he said it best. He said he always loved God. Mm-hmm. Well, Jim, and, and also, and God it kept was his the promise. anointing. Amen. God I, I kept his promise. I was anointed when I was young. Even though I was in that demonic church, there is an anointing. There's an anointing ceremony that they do in the Catholic Church that um, that's a sacrament. And that in itself is just a ritual. But it's the intent that you approach that with to receive that spirit, to receive that Holy Ghost. So when I was so young, when I was so young at that age, I I wanted it. I wanted to do that. I consciously wanted to be anointed by God at a very early age. Mm -hmm. And I believe that is a source of my protection. Was that confirmation? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, if I'm... Can say that's very interesting. Um, I know that I have tasted that Catholic uh, Catholicism experience, but like you say, if God can meet you anywhere, that's the point. You were chosen, you were created, you're His child, you know, and He's going to keep you, protect you, surround you. And even give you that anointing. You think it's coming from without, but it's coming from within. You know, and, and, uh, and Sister Nina, uh, Brother Steve, I just want to touch back on that question about the age of 13. Because I was taught that the age of 12 is when you tell your kids to make a, um, quality decision about whom they're gonna serve. Is that something that the, uh, the, um, who are they, Brother Jesse? The Scientologists. Yeah, that that they created something that perpetrated the universe, or I what? Think that's I mean, kind like, of, I don't know where that number comes that from. Come it's an from? arbitrary number, but it's kind of is a number, a number of consent. You know, for okay, it it Decision. definitely has some kind of legal basis. And um, I don't, I can't say exactly. Bro- what Brother Steve's right gonna now. let us know. Yeah. yeah, actually, that age of consent um, transcends cultures all over throughout history, uh, even in, uh, in Judaism. Uh, the oh, bar mitzvah yeah. or the bat mitzvah yeah. is occurring around that age, and that goes back thousands of years. You can look at uh, a number of primitive tribes like the American Indian tribes, uh, and, and you would find that around that age that there is a ritual of manhood they go through right around right. that age. Uh, mm. There are cultures where that is the legal age of consent. Right. Uh, As an anthropologist, so I would study it, and it would be called a rite of passage. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly. Oh, amen. Yeah. Wow. 
So that answers a, a lot right there. <laughs> it's just a tradition that is kind of worked, you know, following. But, like, but, you but, got, at some point, you got to let your kids make their own decisions. Right, but at, about who they're going to serve. But at this particular time, uh, what Brother Jesse was talking about, no one knew what that really meant. But that would be, he gave an example, if they would approach a child, and the child may be about that age, but by that same token, whether you were a child, whether you were grown, Scientology had a real senator, you know, was real sinister as to sinister, what they wanted. Exactly. So yeah. it did not matter. Like he said, it's inconceivable. It's incomprehensible. All of it. But it's once you faith. start studying some of the tenets, I, uh, saw where Scientology believes you've lived in prior lives. So it would cover everything mm. that you have ever lived in, plus what you're experiencing and more than likely whatever you're going. So they would say, okay, that would be what we would consider a billion years because you have to deal with, you know, they're talking about intergalactic. You're talking about something okay, that I even has space, space as, as a, yes. you have to, you know, that has to be, uh, That's included. Crazy. So, you know, the thing is, is that, uh, you know, Jesse's book, you know, goes into great detail and we don't want to give up too much because we do want people to read it. Okay. I look forward to reading it, brother Jesse. Well, you, and God you will bless be. You guys. I don't want to take up too much time. Well, thank you so much for calling in uh, this week and last week as well. Thank and, you. um, I, I hope you do have an opportunity to read the book. I don't think you'll be disappointed. The title of the book is The Expert Witness. I'm holding it up for anybody who's watching uh, via the internet. This is what it looks like. And that is Brother Jesse on the cover. That would be correct, right? Yes, that would, that was a young Jesse right there. Okay, but, and what were you doing at this particular activity when this picture was taken? Well, this back didn't exist. That was something that was photoshopped in here. But I was at a podium speaking to thousands of people. Um, I used to speak, uh, on television. At these international events that Scientology okay. would throw um, several times a year, multi-million dollar productions, and I would come in as a director of the top of the organization, the the eye of the organization, and speak to the people about the progress that the organization made uh, throughout the year, go over specific statistics, and then, and then uh, different projections that the organization would do, so... That's what I was doing. Well, they had a major campaign because I remember those meetings, uh, uh, you know, televised meetings. So yes, they, it, was, it, was it was all televised. When it was very popular, yeah. yeah. But thank you. I look so forward to reading the book. And like I said, I won't take up too much time. God bless all of you guys. Well, thank you. And I love all of you guys, and God bless. We love bye you bye. more. Thank well, you've been bye here bye. listening intently. You have anything you'd like to ask or any comment? Uh, you know, you are in a certain age group. Is there something well, that you like the, uh, there's a, we're asking a question inside. Well, I was just, you know, like I said, I was going to try to say that billion year concept thing. I didn't quite grasp that. Like what they actually told you to buy into living a billion years. Like I missed, I didn't get it. You would serve them for a billion years. Yes, you, that, that's correct. You serve for a billion years because the, their concept... It means of, forever. Yeah, well, yeah, but, you know, they tell you you're immortal. You're supposed to be an immortal oh, spirit I like see. God. They're bringing you back oh. to being God. But 
in the process of doing that, they're going to need a billion years of your time. Okay. And to speaking to immortality, everything is immortal. It depends on where you're going to live. See, eternal Amen. life comes with a promise. And that includes Amen. God. That includes our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It Amen. includes the Holy Spirit. It, it includes everything that's righteous. I love it. But see, immortality, you can be on your way on the road to perdition. And that's immortality as well. Exactly. See, it's a difference. We have to understand that. It's a difference. No, I- immortality and eternal life is a whole nother different thing. Don't get it twisted. And some people get it twisted yeah. because immortality does not come with a promise. Amen. Eternal Amen. life does. And it's who gives the promise. And that's yeah. what's really important. Now, I was asking... Uh, our young panelist here, if mm-hmm. there was anything that he wanted to ask Jesse, because uh, he represents a certain age group, a uh, woman of God. So oh, I'm we're sorry. asking internally, and you had another <laughs> question. question. So I'm glad I'm that your sorry. question got answered, and uh, we're going to let somebody else call in, and we love you. Okay, I love you more. All right, bye bye. Bye. I'm just interested in the book. Seem like you had some hard times and some good times. I'm just want to see more about it well it's very observant of you because in this book i started from the bottom and went here you know (laughs) to the very top i really did start as nothing also being a black person again when i was in scientology very 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 few black people and absolutely none to this very day that ever rose within the corporate ranks as i did so it was like it, it was, hard. and none would be testifying to what Scientology is. Oh, I had to, you know, I was. But I'm different. saying, based on what the description you just gave, there were none other, especially a man of color or a woman of color, that was doing that. No, no, or has done that since you've left. And and see, another key thing about Scientology is, is their whole thing is making progress on what they call the bridge, their stairway to heaven, their path to enlightenment. They have very regimented steps. It goes from, you know, like sub-zero, and at the very top of their bridge is something called OT7, Operating uh, Spirit Number 7. That's the top, 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 top. I had did that within two years. People spend their entire lives in Scientology trying to accomplish that and never do it. I did it in two years, which is unheard of. Now, that normally costs uh, in, uh, uh, average about one hundred and twenty to $150,000. I never paid a dime for it. Of course, they use that to hold that over your head, too. Yeah. And, yeah, and that, that's, a, that's another thing. They, he talked about perfection, too. Right. Someone telling you you're not quite there yet. So. And for a narcissist, that would be like. And then they a changed trigger. them again. He changed the higher levels to OT7, to a whole different set of processes. And I learned that, perfected it, and accomplished all of that too. So, you know, the truth is, is that there is nothing educationally or or anything that was left for me to discover in Scientology. I, I, I so rapidly went through everything that they had and became the best at everything they had to where it's like... Well, you were the leading expert in, in managing the training, uh, weren't you? Correct. I was the top teacher in, in Scientology, I guess, you know, without using Scientology term, uh, terminology or anything like that. I was their top teacher, the top person that taught the 
people the subject or help people learn the subject, help people benefit from the subject. I was the top person for that. You know, what What really strikes me about your book, um, the, uh, the Expert Witness, is the fact that the journey that you describe, the experiences that you describe there, are a case study in how people get manipulated. Correct. I mean, if you want to know how easy it is to manipulate somebody and you want to know what to watch out for so that you don't become one of those, this book is just a terrific study in, in, uh, in how to avoid that and how to recognize it for what it is. Uh, I thank and, you so much for pointing that out because it's so true. And, you know, I, I look back at my own life and I realize that the good Lord's been there taking care of me even when I didn't deserve it. Mm-hmm. And I think he's been there for you too. Absolutely. But what I've noticed is is that almost everything, whether I thought at the time it was a disaster or not, was part of a learning process that actually prepared me for a ministry effort. And I wonder if you have felt that yourself. Um, I, I certainly have. How, however, this is... You see how wretched they are when they come after people, you know, when you don't agree with them. So ministry isn't quite in the in the picture yet. You have to be finished with them whipping you and, and doing what they do to you, you know. And then you have, before, at least for me, it was before I could have the mind to have a minister talk to my brothers like you know now you know people of color i'm really interested in because before elron had no interest in that so it was never a thing for me you know it's like it was just only for white people and i was there as an anomaly you know doing this but then the current leader decided he wanted to go after black people and um so he started doing that and he started using money from Scientology celebrities to uh, uh, finance a black person's Scientology experience. They talked about this on the current Leah Remini show, where she actually gave money so that black people could experience Scientology. And that, that horrified me. That horrified me. Because... Again, for me, it's like my people, life is difficult for everyone. Make no mistake about it. I recognize that. But to me, black people have an extra handicap no matter what. And if I can do something to make them not have more difficulty than they already have, well, then that's that's what I'll do. And so that's why I'm so alarmed, excited, or or. or are so much looking forward to bring this message, especially to the nation of Islam. It's, it's, my, my journey is to the nation of Islam with the message about this book because the nation of Islam has embraced Scientology. Wow. Really? Yes. They have that, that surprises it. me. I would have thought that they would have considered Scientology as, as a competing ideology. Yeah, well, I guess... Especially it with L. Ron Hubbard being the head. Well, he's dead now. Yeah. Right. But the thing is, is that he started it. Right. So when L. Ron Hubbard was nearing the end of his life, 
what kind of condition was he in? I heard that he was on some mind-altering drugs. Uh, They were prescription drugs, uh, that uh, his health was not good at all, and that uh, he had had a stroke. Well, Elron had a chronic condition called pancreatitis, first off. And um, so is that inflammation of the pancreas? Yeah, and it's really brought upon by a, a, acute alcoholism, which he had a difficult time with uh, during his life. But he had that, and then he had a stroke. And after he had his first stroke, he actually had a, a condition called aphasia, which uh, means that he no longer can associate the words that he speaks with what he sees. To give you a practical example of that, a person with aphasia would may want a glass of water, and instead of when he asks for a glass of water, what comes out of his mouth is, is can I use your phone? And you hand them your phone, and they're like, no, 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 can I use your phone? And but what the concept in their mind is, they're asking for water, and you handing them a damn phone, they're just as befuddled as you are mm-hmm. of why the conversation isn't working. So that's the condition of aphasia. Aphasia, and that's where he was at the end of his life. And the people that were around him really didn't understand that. So they just became aggravated with him and avoided him. And he needed certain things. I mean, the man was dying. You know, he needed things. And and uh, no one really wanted to be around him. This is, <laughs> this is, this is what God does to evil people. You know what I mean? He, he's so... You know, hated Jesus, hated God, all this. And then at the end of his life, I mean, he's literally tortured. He's he's a, a prisoner of his own mind. He can't do anything. And the people, his most loyal people are now the ravenous wolves turning against him, you know, getting his fortune, getting his money. Was it true that his will had changed the day before he died? Yes. And he had, they changed it. But he had this condition you just described to us. Right. And a lot of people know a will says you have to be in your right mind. Yeah. And it can't be done under duress or else that, you know, voids the will. Right. Well, if you want to see how that played out, you should read the book because mm-hmm. it's really fascinating what really did what happen. You, well, I can't give them everything. I'm just trying to give a little tidbit so yeah. that they would be. Did you like uh, that declaration I wrote about that? I did. I did. And so, uh, there is some appendages uh, in in the book, and um, appendix, excuse me. And one of them is very, very interesting, and a lot of people may be uh, have heard about it. What uh, a young lady whose last name is McPherson. Um, that was a lady, Lisa McPherson, who one day, I, I guess she had been denied sleep for some time and berated about her performance and she was driving in the car she had a a minor traffic accident she got out of her car and started taking off her clothes stripped naked and began walking down the street telling people she had to get out of Scientology and um, Scientology freaked out about that because it was a public relations nightmare they took her in to because the woman had actually gone psychotic, they took her in to try to uh, bring her back to herself, and uh, within a couple of weeks she was dead. And um, 
So that's another case that I worked on as part of this book here. Yes. I was under the impression that there were actually several people at the top of the heap there that, that had psychotic breaks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they were. It was, it, it was more common than not. Hmm. You know, you get pushed so much, manipulated, screamed at, sleep-deprived, food-deprived. You know, they really have regiments to degrade the individual, undermine their will. But that's all man stated. That's not mm-hmm. that. That's not reaching a God level. That's reaching a demonic level. It's, it's, it's in reverse. Yeah. In, in fact, actually, if, if you talk to Satanists and, and, and the people who are seriously into the occult, um, one of the things that they all have in common is this belief that if they serve the right master, they will get special powers. Mm-hmm. But the reality is... The devil has no ability to grant special powers to anybody. That's no. a fraud. It's it's a hook. But that's all it is. Well, the thing is, is that you see how... Wait a minute. How, do, how did that... How did he goes? God will... God will give you talent, but the devil will make you famous. Mm-hmm. That's what he can do. My grandma told me that. Well put. Well put. Well, the thing is, is that... <clears throat> What the fame, but what does it cost you? You know, it's still your life. It, your it's, soul. It, it's still the cautionary tale. Yeah. What does it benefit you if you, you gain know, the world? Let me, and let, me your tell, soul? let me tell you something. It's real simple. A fool has paid too much for what he has. He's yeah. paid too much for what he has. That's what a fool has done. And a fool, biblically, we know uh, in the scriptures, is relating to judgment. Is because a fool hates instruction. A fool is rebellious in his nature. A fool is a person that practices disobedience. It's this lawlessness. So at that particular time, biblically, if you call somebody a fool, it, it, it was it was not good. Because it denoted that you did not have a relationship and you were an open rebellion against God. And a lot of people throw that word fool around, but if they looked at it from its biblical principle from its inception they would be wise not to use it well in fact the scripture actually gospel actually says do not call someone a fool right so i mean that's uh, that's just down it's scripture right right well we certainly got into it this time again i mean you know (laughs) the time just flies i'm going to try to get more uh make this book more widely available by getting it distributed in in local bookstores and things like that to where people um, can get the book. If there's anyone out there listening that owns a bookstore and would like uh, my book in it, please contact Sister Griffin. Sister Nina, she knows how to get a hold of me, and I will certainly um, supply you with, with books in that regard. And I thank the audience today for listening to my story. Well, we appreciate that. And, and also, um, you know, Brother Jesse, thank you for taking care of yourself. I appreciate that. Thank you for wanting to have life and life more abundantly. Thank you for, you know, loving your family enough to fight, uh, you know, against the adversary known and unknown because there were things working that you could see and things that you could not see. So I thank you for that light. May I touch you? That, Absolutely. That resides in you. Thank and I appreciate that and that you saw it and you believed it. Because it only takes what? The faith of a mustard seed. So I appreciate that. And that all was not lost. Not at all. And it's to our benefit. Yes, Brother Steve. Yeah, I'd just like to reiterate that 
this book, the the expert witness uh, by Jesse Prince here. It, it it's a tale of a journey that shows very clearly how shall we say generously misguided people hook and capture the minds and, and, and souls of, of, of the unwary. So it's 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 a it's a study in how that works so that you can recognize it if somebody ever comes along and tries to do that to you. But it's also a study in how someone who truly wants a connection with God, mm-hmm. how they are influenced, no matter how bad the journey gets. Right. Well, thank and, you for and that. And he stayed. He stayed faithful. You know, that's the main thing is that he stayed faithful, and with love, hope, and faith, all things are possible with God, because that's, that's what we have to have: mm-hmm. love, hope, and faith, and love being the strongest. So we are down to the last minute. I appreciate you coming in today, helping out. Steve, you know I love you madly. <laughs> uh, Brother Jesse, I'm expecting wonderful things from you. Thank you going, so much. Going forward. And uh, you know what? He's been redeemed. He's been brought for what a price. He has the blood of Jesus covering him. And he's courageous. He's powerful. And uh, those imps and simps and demons, uh, they have no power over Brother Jesse. Period. Yes, Brother Steve, we're down to the last 30 seconds. Okay. I would just like to suggest to listeners out there... Um, Jesse, since you have all this experience and you are, are a very experienced speaker, would you be open to the possibility if someone were to contact you to uh, to speak uh, to a group? Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. Well, you heard that. Brother Jesse said it himself. He is open. So we love you. We thank you for tuning in. Come back next week. And as we say here, save the loss at all costs. And God bless you. It is our humble prayer that the Most High God of all creation and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ continues to bless you and yours without cease for tuning in today and supporting this great move of God with your generous donations. Save the Lost at All Costs is a Holy Spirit-filled, live called-in weekly radio ministry that has been airing since 2005 and serving in the greater Las Vegas community. We can be heard every Sunday at 3.02 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Las Vegas. Vegas's very own Christian Talk radio stations, 1060 AM and 100.1 FM. Also, you can listen to KKVV Christian Talk Radio anytime via your cell phone. Please dial 605-313-0630. Again, that number is 605-313-0630. That number only works in the United States. Also, we are audio and video streamed in real time during our live broadcast at www.kkvv.com and our website www.savethelostlv.org If you would like to re-listen to a previous broadcast at no charge, make an online secure donation, or learn more about our ministry, please visit our website at www.savethelostlv.org If you prefer, you can mail in a donation. Address it to Save the Lost at All Cost, Inc., P.O. Box number 3358-52, North Las Vegas, 89033. Again, our P.O. Box number is 
833-5852, North Las Vegas, 89033. All donations made to Save the Lost at All Costs, Inc. are 100% tax deductible. For more information, please feel free to call or text us at 702-219-6882. Again, 702-219-6882. We would like to thank you again. Remember to remain in Christ, stay prayed up, tune in, and don't forget to save the lost at all costs, no matter what.